We're finishing the series, Hello, Reconnecting in a Disconnected World, with the idea of forgiveness. And this main theme of, of Christianity, this main theme of following after Christ, but this main theme that has to be a main theme of our relationships of forgiveness. So it's a very light subject, something that we all are really you know, easy and it's perfect and we all, we all do great at it, right? None of us ever have, every single person in this room, when I said the word forgiveness, you're like, because mm. I don't want to. Or maybe how? Or maybe I can't. It's too big. It's too grand. It's too painful. But we all deal with these issues. We all have this pain. We all have stuff that has happened to us or stuff that we've gone through and that we have to have this idea of forgiveness if we want our relationships to succeed. One of the greatest disconnectors in our relationships is our inability to forgive. If we're hello, reconnecting in a disconnected world, right? One of the greatest disconnectors in our lives is our inability to forgive. If you have a worship folder today or a phone, you want to start a new. I got more notes today than I've probably had in the last like eight months combined. So there is a lot of goodies and one-liners in here. I'm going to actually read off my notes more than I normally do today because there's so much stuff I don't want to forget any of it, okay? So if you're a note-taker, make sure you do it. If you're not a note-taker, you might want to take notes today. Um, not because what I'm saying is so great because it's just it's Scripture, so it wasn't. I didn't come up with it. Um, if I came up with it, we'd be all in trouble. One of the greatest disconnectors in our relationships is our inability to forgive. We all have pain. We all have hurt. We all have been disappointed. There's a disclaimer before we get too far into this. This is a no elbow message. Last week was a trailer hitch message, right? We had fun with that. But last week was a trailer hitch message. You want to watch out for, for those things, learn for other people's mistakes. This week is a no elbow message. Do not at any point bring your elbows need to stay inside the vehicle at all times, okay? Do not poke somebody on this. Not, in not That also applies on the ride home, okay? Don't like, oh, good, I'm outside the church. Mm-mm, that was you, that was you, that was you. Don't do that because um, then you're going to have to bring up more forgiveness, and we were trying to work on that, right? Okay, so so just, just kind of like, if don't think about how this applies to other people. It's to you. Because some of the stuff you're like, oh, my wife does that all the time. No, 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 no. What do you do? Okay, let's keep this... Let's talk about our, your favorite subject. Let's talk about you, okay? Let's keep it, keep it about you, and we'll be okay there. Don't make this about somebody else. It's going to be really, really easy, especially when I start talking about um, how we deal with pain and hurt. It's like, oh, well, my wife does that. My husband does that. My sister or my mother or whatever. But what, what is you? All right, what, how are you dealing with this stuff, okay? Um, so no elbows. Even if you have, like, really great material and quick, witty comebacks. Stop it. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is going to be our major, we're going to use a lot of scripture today, but 1 Corinthians 13, specifically 5, will be our um, landing zone today in the in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13, you've probably, every wedding you've ever been to has used 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, it is a famous love passage. The funny thing is, it's not really about marriage. It's about God's divine love for you. It's describing that kind of love, not necessarily a marriage. It works that way because all love comes from the one who created love. So yes, 
But as we are trying to be imitators of Christ in our lives, we exemplify this kind of love. And we're going to stay at verse 5 today. It does not dishonor others. It, you can, anytime there's an it in this sentence, you can take, uh, put love there. So if you're taking notes and writing it down, put love does not dishonor. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. So you can even write that in the margin of your, uh, your Bible or whatnot too. Um, it just makes it a little more intense. Um, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. And that's really going to where we're going to be, be today. It keeps, love keeps no record of wrongs, which is just a different way of saying love forgives. And this is how love works in our lives. This is how love is played out. It keeps no record of wrongs. This is how God's love for us happens in our lives. He doesn't keep a tally book. Thank the Lord. His ledger is really weird. The creator of all, the greatest being in the universe, omniscient, he knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's omni-omni, so he's omni-everything. He has selective amnesia, self-imposed amnesia with your sin and my sin when we bear our souls to him and give him lordship of our lives. It keeps no record of wrongs. This is what we do in our relationships as well. The determining factor of, your, of the success of your relationship is not passion or compatibility. It is your ability to forgive. The determining factor of the success of your relationship is not passion for the other person. It's not compatibility like eHarmony would have you believe. It is your ability to forgive. Because I don't know if you're always going to have the same hobbies with each other. Looks will change. Hormone levels will dip. But forgiveness, people will always hurt you. <laughs> right? That will be a constant. Your ability to forgive will determine the fact that Determine the success of your relationship. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. I put this on Facebook last night because I wanted, uh, at least if you're friends with me on Facebook, um, to start thinking about it if you saw it. But it's this idea, and it's, it's our main point for today. Forgiveness is not the acceptance of wrongdoing. It is the decision to love in spite of. Now think about that, because when I say, we're going to talk about forgiveness today, and I say, you guys got to have to forgive, the immediate reaction, the pushback on that is, you don't know what he did. That, I can't, that's, that's, you can't, you, know, you don't know, you, uh, uh, mm. and these guttural noises start coming out of even your own brains, and you're just like, ah, I can't. I'm not saying you say that's okay to do. I'm not saying that you say, oh yeah, sure, you cheated on me 18 times, well, yeah. That's okay. You just keep on doing that. No, 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 no. We're not, we're not acceptance of wrongdoing. It is the decision to love through that and in spite of it. It's a big, 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 big difference. The best things of God are simple, not easy. The best things of God are simple, not easy. All throughout the scripture, 
almost every story in the Old Testament, someone is giving something very simple to do, i.e., hey, king, what's his face? Get rid of the idols. Got it, God. You realize they all worship those idols. If I start destroying them, they're going to want to kill me. I said, get rid of the idols. But they like that. But all these excuses. This is not an easy thing to do, right? But it's very simple. It was very, very concrete. Get rid of idols. The Ten Commandments, all of them are extremely simple. <clears throat> don't kill anybody. Got that. You know, don't lie. Yeah, okay. Don't worship other idols. Take a day off on Saturday. I mean, these are really, really simple things. They are not easy, right? Taking a day off on food is really difficult when you don't have a refrigerator. Think about that for a second, right? You're trusting that your food's going to be okay. All, all throughout, those are very simple commands, but not easy. Forgiveness is, oh, forgive people. Very simple idea. Don't hold it over their head after something happens. Okay, simple idea. Not very easy to do. I realize that. I'm not coming at you today with all the answers. This is kind of me studying the scripture going, oh, that's how I could do this. Okay, let's do better. I'm with you in this. I don't have a hallmark like, oh, Jared must forgive everybody all the time. Oh, man, if you only knew. I've been with this guy for way too long. As a friend. Now, if you only knew all the stu- stuff and the issues and the, and the junk. I tell you what a moment of victory is. is when someone, when you were, you've been slighted, you've been hurt, maybe they cost you a huge part of your life. Maybe they, they, it was one of those tearing of who you are type moments. When you get, you know you've forgiven well when you get about five years down the road and you, you don't even remember it. When you see them, you don't hit that pit in your stomach anymore. You don't get that anger. It's just like, ah, you know, you've moved past that. We had a conversation, I have a conversation with someone who, we had one of these moments together, and it was about five, six years down the road, and um, we, we were trying to forgive each other. It was very difficult. And, and finally, we got to this point, and I said something offhanded. I was like, well, I'm really glad we can talk about this because of our past. And both of us were like, I haven't thought about that. That hasn't been an issue Forever. It was kind of one of those thank you, Jesus type moments. You, you know what I'm talking about? And that was just me and, and someone else, a guy. It wasn't even a marriage context, but it's even, even more important in the marriage context, in, all, in our children's context. Forgiveness, forgiveness. I don't have, you know, this is more of like explore the scripture with me, not that I got all the answers because telling you that right now. Just ask Kelly. What does it take to forgive? What does it take to move forward in this? What does it take to have the results that you want? And here's another really simple answer. It takes faith. I was fighting the urge to have Kevin bring up, you got to have faith, the faith, the faith. I didn't do it. Um, It takes faith. You're like, well, that's that's a cop-out, Jared. I told you it's simple. It's not easy. Faith is the step you take that makes no sense, but trusting that better is coming. Faith is, is that step like, God, I, this is going to be painful. They're going to hurt me again. They're going to do this. They're going to do that, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that better is coming. I'm going to trust. Faith is that step. Faith is that movement. Faith is that progression. And it takes a lot of it. It's simple. It's not easy. 
God is constantly calls us to soften our hearts and to love like him. The problem is when people hurt us, we react defensively. We have this thing that God gave us, wired into our, our, our being, of fight or flight. If someone is going to attack me, something is going to attack me, I am either going to attack it back or I am going to run away from it. Right? When we deal with pain, we have this issue. What Fire. I'm pretty sure all of us, we touched you know, the fireplace, we touched the stovetop once. Right? And from then on, we're like, ah, I'm getting away from it. My dog, I have a puppy. She is nine months old, but when she was about two months old, she knew good smells were coming out of the oven. And her little nose decided to try to get into the oven. Well, it coming on back, and she realized that, guess who does not put their nose in the oven anymore, right? We have this fight or flight. It's hardwired into us. That's bad. I'm going to get away from it. I don't, I'm adverse to pain. We all have these issues, and we've built in processes that we react to pain. We react to disappointment in many different ways, all of which have a problem. Because fight or flight is built for when we're fighting a saber-toothed tiger. It is not built for dealing with our wives or our husbands, right? <laughs> you, some of you, no, don't go there. Don't, no elbows, right? Um, fight or flight is not, is not healthy on how we deal with the issues. Because if fight or flight just makes it, we're either going to attack it and kill it, or we're going to run away from it. Well, that's not how I can deal with my wife. It's not how I can deal with my kids. It's not how I can deal with my parents. It's not how I can deal with my coworkers. And so when we enter in this, we go into different progressions. And some of you are going to be on different ways. And this is where the no elbows really comes in handy. Okay, no elbows here because you're going to immediately pick out what everybody else does, but you're not going to pick out what you do. Okay, so you have to go ahead and think about you, you here. I'm telling you, no elbows. It will save you an argument later today. The first thing we do is we put distance between whatever hurt us and ourselves. We, we put distance. We back up. Especially if you're non-confrontational, right? You just going to just got All right. Going to walk away. I'm going to move away from it. We put distance there. We just have to get away. We have to build space between us. This is difficult when you are married to them and you live in a home. I don't know, Kevin and I are fascinated, Kevin even more than me, than this whole tiny home revolution thing that's going on. I, do not, I understand being a single guy and having a tiny home, that would be great. No one can be in your own man cave, it's yours, there's not room for anything else, it's your stuff. You put a woman in there, oh, you got all kinds of issues, right? Because you can't get away! You couldn't get away from anything, you couldn't get away from the smells of all the frou stuff, you couldn't get away from, ah, you can't get away! But this distance, but it would be great for some marriages because you couldn't, you'd have to deal with the junk because they're right there all the time. There's no distance you can put in. The Bible says, don't let the sun go down on you when you are angry. Don't let the sun go down on you when you're angry. That's in there because Paul knows, hey, 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 in your relationships, you cannot let this fester. You have to deal with it. But Jared, they may be mad at 7.59 and Sutton said it's 8 o'clock. What do you, what do you mean? I'm saying you got to deal with it quick. you got to go after that. You, you need some time so you don't blow up and yell and stab somebody. But you also have to deal with it. You can't let it fester and fester and fester. And we're going to talk about why here as we go on. That's the, distance is just the first step. Then 
you, what you do is you build walls, and some of you will build walls, and you start, and you just, you insulate yourself, fight or flight, you insulate yourself so you are protected. I don't build walls, Jerry, what are you talking about? You build walls by this. You get a hobby so you don't have to spend time in that situation. You intentionally know when they're coming home and you turn on a television show that you know they can't stand so they won't stay in the room with you. You stay at work longer than you need to because you don't want to go home to it. You dive head first in your kids' lives and live through them so you don't have to live your life and your stuff at home. Those are walls. And whether you know it or not, you've built them so you don't have to deal with the issues. Third thing you do is you escalate. You can call this Donald Trumping. If you watch the debate on this, this is what he does. This is what happens in debates, why he's the only one talking and why poor Ben Carson's like, will someone attack me so I can talk? Right? This is what he does. He, he takes it from 0 to 100, not 0 to 30, not 30 to 60. He takes it 0 to 100 so that he can just bowl over you. You can't interject your own comment because he's already thrown a nuclear bomb down. Now, it's much more easy for us to pick on Donald Trump because none of you guys ever do that in your arguments with your wives or your husbands at home. Let's just keep on picking on Donald, right? Because we do that, we bring back whatever happened. I know I automatically win the fight when I, boom! Right? I Superman it. You know, Superman always comes in at the end of hero movies because once you bring Superman, the fight's over. Right? It's like, okay, man of steel. Can't get killed. Right? He, he's the one, that's why they, it's, a, it's a device that they always have to slow that down when they put Superman in the... In the, uh, in the in a comic strip or whatever, because you can't win. We do that. We Superman our fights. We escalate it. We just bring the bomb first, because I don't want to deal with it. I'm, not, I'm just going to bowl you over. Your opinion doesn't matter, and people will just shut down. Especially this happens when you have an extrovert and an introvert that happen at the same time. All right, you come in, boom, that's over. I don't have to deal with that anymore. We can just go away. Guess what? you got to deal with it, because now you're Because the person with the walls, instead of just putting cement blocks up, is putting a titanium shield up. You see how this progresses. I want to chip away at these things. Next thing is false belief. If escalation is a, an extroverted trait. False belief is an introverted trait. False belief is this idea of, I just need my alone time. I've got to process this. Got any overprocessors in the house? Thank you. There's one honest person in here. There we go. All right. You get some over. I know you guys are overprocessors because I've talked to you about it. So we have overprocessors. You guys overthink and overthink and overthink and overthink and overthink and overthink. And then you overthink your overthinking. And now you're having an anxiety attack. Yep. <laughs> I'm getting amens on, uh, on anxiety attacks. All right. Okay. Here's the deal. When you shut yourself down and you don't let anyone else into your world, you become your own worst problem because you lie to yourself. You make stuff up all the time. And then you get mad about stuff that didn't even happen. And being a man, I do enough stupid stuff. I don't need you making up stuff that I did. False belief. 
We lie. When you are hurting, you are the last person you should listen to. The last. And I'm, I'm serious about this. You're like, what? no, 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 no. Because you come up. Have you ever entered an argument after you've already had the argument yourself and you've played it out, right? You've got, and you're ticked off about what their rebuttal was that the fictitious person said, not the real person. <laughs> we do this all the time. You do it all the time. And this is, this is a, a continuation of, de- of distance and of, and of walls, is that we build that all up, and there's so much pain, and sometimes it's just phantom pain. Listen, Satan is the father of lies. This is the language in which he speaks. And so it's already hard enough when we're dealing with pain. Satan's like, ooh, I can get in there, and I can start ma- making this all nasty, uh, nasty. But I got a feeling most of the time he's like, ooh, I, can, I don't have to do any work. They did it themselves. We make his job way too easy because we don't deal with it. And finally, hostility. This is the last one of our, our scale, of the escalation of how we deal with pain, how we deal with our fight or flight. Hostility. You just get mad about everything. Your default is... Your default is they're already hurting me. I'm just going to... It's the, You're full on into fight. Like... Like the, the, the possum idea. A possum will play dead for, for a long period of time, but then if you get it you get scared enough in a corner, it will stand up and, and become this, you know, demon thing. And, and, it, and that's where we get in our relationships. And don't ever tell your wife, honey, you look like a demon possum right now. That would not be... I can't save you for that one, all right? It's, it becomes not about you or the other person. Now, it is about the condition of your soul. Because we've, just, we've gone way past walls. We've gone way past just giving my alone time. We've, we're now actively combative. And how do we chip away at that? How do we tear all that stuff away? How do we move past that? It is a very simple idea. It's not easy. It's this idea of forgiveness. So how do we do that? I want to give you some tools for that here in the, in the last half of our, our message. And they're not easy. And there's only three tools, and two of them you're going to absolutely hate. But I think they're imperative to who we're trying to become, who we're trying to be in Christ, how we're trying to live life. Because if we're honest with ourselves and we have this baggage and we have this hurt and we have this stuff laying on us, we're not happy. This is not the life that, we've, that we thought we could have. We've got to move past that. And so I want to help us with some devices, maybe, maybe, to get that freedom, to have that burden lifted, to walk in a life that is what actually God has planned for you. Walk in a life that he's actually paid already for you. First thing you do is receive God's forgiveness. Receive God's forgiveness. Very, very, very simple. It's not easy. Receive God's forgiveness. And you're like, oh, I've already done this. We did this. Good. Check. What's number two? I don't know if we have. 
Because if we've truly received all that God has for us in forgiveness, forgiveness wouldn't really be that big of an issue for us. If we really consumed it, if we really said, okay, this is who I am, this is my new body, this is my, I am actually a new creation in God, then that forgiveness wouldn't be as big of an issue. Receive God's forgiveness. First Timothy 1, 13 to 15 says this. Even though I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of the Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Okay, little Bible one-on-one on how to study your scripture. If the author writes, here is a trustworthy saying, deserves full acceptance, underline whatever comes next. Okay, circle it, highlight it, memorize it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And this is Paul writing, but this can become your life verse. Because we've all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Paul is a murderer. What Paul's job description was is he headed the death squads to go kill Christian leaders. When he says, I'm the worst, pretty much he is the worst. He killed people for a living. And Christ forgives and redeems him. The same concept is for us as well. I am not concerned about what he did. I'm not concerned about what she did. It was terrible. I understand. But I'm not concerned about that. I'm more concerned about what Jesus has done for you. How has he acted in your life? How has he forgiven you? How has he redeemed you? Isaiah 1, 18 says this. Now, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins were like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. If you will only obey me. What was done for you, your sin, your mess, whatever your past looks like, it has been forgiven. White as snow, washed away, cleaned. God's selective amnesia. Love does not dishonor. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. This is what God does for us through Christ Jesus. He saves us. He forgives us. He gives us a fresh start. He makes us new. And so much of the time, we fight against this. Okay, well, you kind of forgave me that day, but I don't know if you can really forgive me. That was so bad. I don't can't forgive myself. He couldn't have forgiven me. And we spend the rest of our life trying to earn a salvation that we already have. It's like this. Suppose you woke up in the morning and you went out to the mailbox to check the mailbox. You opened up the mailbox, you take the letter out, and you're like, no return address. It's to me. 
What is this? You open up the envelope, take out it. There's a check. It's a check for a million dollars written to you. And on the memo line, it says, I love you. Go to the bank, you cash said check. And you have options, right? But instead of paying off your debt, instead of walking in the freedom that this gives you, instead of taking the joy and how it would change your life to all of a sudden be gifted a million dollars, you squander the million dollars looking for whoever sent the check. And we just waste it away. We don't bless anybody with it. We don't do anything with it. We don't change our lifestyle with it. We don't change our lives with it. We don't change our kids' lives with it. We just squander it. And this is what we do with forgiveness, is that we can't believe that God really forgave us. So we, we spend it in this weird cycle of, I'm not good enough. I got to earn this. I got to do this. And God's like, ah, this is not what I died for. I forgave you so that you can go out and forgive others so you can have a life of freedom. You don't have to be chained and held back by all this junk and this baggage and this stuff in your life. You can have freedom. You can move forward. You can have the life, not that you've always wanted, but that I've always wanted for you as your creator and the lover of your soul. Forgiveness is not the acceptance of wrongdoing. It's the decision to love in spite of it. To experience forgiveness and to give forgiveness, we have to make the truth of God's great forgetfulness rest in our lives. Let me read that again. To experience forgiveness and to to give forgiveness, we have to make the truth of God's great forgetfulness rest in our lives. We have to hold on to that. This is a truth that he really does forget. When the Bible says it is as far as the east is from the west, that means it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. It's not there. And that's hard for us to believe because I know the stuff I've done and you know the stuff you've done. It is gone. But until we realize that, until we step into that, that it really is gone, that we really are free, we cannot experience all that forgiveness is. And how can we give forgiveness if we haven't experienced it for ourselves? Forgiveness with debt is not forgiveness. It's a mortgage. Forgiveness with debt is not forgiveness, it's a mortgage. And this is how I feel like God's given me a mortgage. Like, I got a house, that's great, thank you. I have to make a payment on that every month, right? I have to pay for it. There's there's strings attached to the house that I live in. But forgiveness is, here's a house, Merry Christmas, live there. Let me take that note and here you go. We do this in our own lives, but we also do it with people in our lives. Oh, I forgive you. But whenever things get tense, we bring up that moment. We bring up that baggage. That hurt, that pain comes up a little bit. Like, well, you kind of owe me. You know, I forgave you because you were a moron 20 years ago. You've given not forgiveness. You've given them a mortgage. Yeah, it's kind of nice that you tolerate their existence, but come on. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. 
Which leads us to our second point. Freely give what you have received. Freely give what you have received. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God, as a fragrant aroma. If we are to be imitators of God, that means what did God do? He forgives. How do we imitate? We got to forgive. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it actually goes on to say, wives, submit to your husbands. And then it says, men, submit to to your, or treat your wives as Christ treated the church, which means, uh, you know, we, we take it out of context. Yeah, women should submit to their husbands. Uh, did you read the next part? Because I'm pretty sure he died on a cross for the rest. Oh, man, we got the short end of the stick on that one. Okay, so we got to read the whole thing together. But if you don't need the rest of it, if you just submit to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. Submit to one another. Matthew 10, 8 says this, Freely you have received, then freely give. Then the rebuttal is, Jared, you don't know what they did. You don't know the depth of the hurt. You don't know, I, I understand. We all have forgiveness issues. I wish we could all be golden retrievers, right? I can beat the tar out of that dog, and about five minutes later, she... <laughs> There's a funny... Uh, little thing on Facebook. It said, um, you don't believe it. Your dog loves you more than your wife. Lock both of them in the trunk of your car for an hour when you open it up. <laughs> see see who's, who's, who's waggling at you. Because, uh... hey, I found some humor in the message. You guys are like, thank you, I get to laugh. This is way too serious. I wish we could all do that. I wish that was our world would be a much better place. Forgiveness is not the acceptance of wrongdoing. It is the decision to love in spite of. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Freely give it. Freely give it. Freely give it. It was freely given to you. Freely give it. It's not your responsibility to be forgiven. It's your responsibility to forgive. And what I mean by that is, well, if they're not going to forgive me back, then I'm not going to start. No. Because that's one of the excuses. Well, they don't want a relationship with me. I don't care if they want a relationship with you. It's not your responsibility to be forgiven. You can't control their actions. You can't control their mindset. You can't control their pain. You can't control the way they deal with it. But what you can control is how do you forgive? It's not your responsibility to be forgiven, but rather to forgive. It is our job description as a Christian. 2 Corinthians 5, 14-21. This is long, so bear with me. But this is, this is the meat of all of this. For Christ's love compels us. It pushes us toward. It moves us toward this. Because we are convinced 
that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all. This is Jesus dying. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. All this is from God who reconciled, who forgave us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So our job description is not necessary. It's not just to live good lives and come to church and tithe and, you know, do good things every once in a while. It is a ministry of forgiveness that God was reconciling or forgiving the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, the message of forgiveness. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors or his representatives as though God were making his appeal through us. So the way in which God says, hey, we're going to go change the world is he says, I forgave, but my people are going to forgive. And this is the way in which we're going to change the world. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's not your responsibility to be forgiven, but rather to forgive. And then finally, this one's really not going to like Go first. I'll forgive them if they forgive me. Go first. What if they don't want to forgive me back? Go first. And this is scripture, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his own love in us. Why will we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why will we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Were we perfect? No. Did we have it together? No. Were we blameless? Absolutely not. He died for us. And Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says what? Be imitators of God. So if I'm going to imitate how God loves me, if I'm going to imitate how God works, I got to do what? I got to go first. Matthew 5, 9 says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God or children of God of God. James 3, 17 to 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then it is peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Go first. It's up to you to break those walls gently. It's up to you to build a scaffolding over them. It's, build, it's up to you to cross the distance that they've built up. It's up to you to diffuse the hostility that is going on. Like my wife, um, when I, we used to, first dating, she had some serious walls and distance stuff going on. And uh, I, I'm, I'm an escalator. I don't throw bombs, but I just want to 
let's deal with this thing. What are you doing running away from me? Let's go. We got we to gotta deal with this thing. And it was almost like a puzzle. It was like a challenge. Like how am I, it's like a Rubik's Cube. How am I going to get her to unlock? How am I going to figure this out so that we can, I like her, and when she's not so complicated, this goes really well. How do we do this? It takes time. It takes patience. And honestly, I've never had patience with anybody else like I have had with her. I wouldn't have put that much effort into any other relationship. It is worth it. Go first. Break those walls down. Not with a sledgehammer, but with a feather. Cross that distance. It is worth it. Want to examine yourself. Am I mired in false belief? What's actually true here? And maybe that takes a counselor. Maybe that takes a friend that you trust to say, did this, what, am I wrong in this? And they have to have enough freedom to say, you're kind of making stuff up. They never did that. Cross those barriers. Go first. Finally, choices lead, feelings follow. You have to choose to honor. You have to choose to look for their interests first. You have to choose not to get angry. You have to choose to forgive. Choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, feelings follow. Kevin tells me a story about Gene. Apparently all the animals that come into the McWilliams household are not Gene's animals, but he inherits them from other people. Uh, He's not looking for new animals. Don't pawn them off at his house. (laughs) But he collects all these animals, and then he, and Kevin goes, you know, he acts like he doesn't like any of these animals. But the animals only pay attention to him, and they only spend time with him, and he's the only one that walks these animals. So I feel like, you know, Gene probably had a choice. I'm going to have to take care of this thing. Feelings will follow. Choices lead. Feelings will follow. Some of you are so angry and bitter, you're like, I don't know. You have to choose forgiveness. The feelings will come later. This is the choice today. Forgiving is a choice. It is God's choice to forgive you, and it's your choice to forgive them. If you don't choose forgiveness, you will continually run up against distance, walls, escalation, false belief, Hostility. But forgiveness has a fruit too. Forgiveness gives wholeness. Forgiveness brings peace. Forgiveness brings joy. You've been holding on to these past grievances for far too long. Lay them down in Jesus' name. I want to pray with you today and pray about experiencing this forgiveness for ourselves but also committing as a a community that we're going to be a place of forgiveness. So as a band comes up, I want to just pray uh, first for us as a community that we would foster this spirit of forgiveness, that we'd be people that are are worthy of, of helping others in this process of forgiveness.
So bow your heads with me and pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time together. And God, as we examine our lives and we look around in our community, how can we be imitators of you? How can we live lives that shout out forgiveness? And God, as a, as a world that is so self-centered in a world that's all about me and all about holding grudges, God, that we would be a beacon of light that showed people how to forgive. God, that you would make that true in our hearts and in my life, in our lives as we love each other the best we can. Amen. As I said earlier, some of us, we can't give forgiveness until we've experienced forgiveness for ourselves. And as I think this morning, I just think there's so much junk in our lives. There's so much stuff in our lives. There's so much baggage in our lives that we have to say, God, I need your forgiveness in my life, in my heart. I need my past to be gone. And I want to step into that. Maybe I've been saying that for years and years and years and years. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm saved or whatever. But we've been trying to constantly earn our salvation. We've been constantly trying to earn it. Oh, God, I got to pay you back for all these wrongs. That today would be a day in which you set that aside and experience God's forgiveness. So that's you today. Just bow your heads and, and pray with me. If you want to accept God's forgiveness for your life, bow your heads, close your eyes, just raise your hand if you want that for you today. God, here in this moment, here in this time, here in this day, that we would experience your forgiveness truly, utterly, that our past is washed away and that we can start this relationship with you, fresh, new. God, will you take my life? Will you make me new? Will you take the pain? Will you take my past? Thank you, Jesus, for making me new. Help me trust that. Help me stand on that promise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.